Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm a feminist, but a big part of me wishes I were working for the Conservative Party and Boris Johnson last year so I could have secretly recorded every single one of their god-awful parties which look like, frankly, the fucking end of the world. From all the angles, oh, I've got to get coverage here, a wide shot so I could put out a feature film that I then invited people to free screenings of on my own money. So th- and I would make every single person in the British public watch it I would watch them watching it. And then I would say, if you vote for them again, you deserve them. But I don't. And all my friends don't. So if you vote for them again, we, I am going to put through a bill. I am going to take over Pratipa Patel's job because I work for the Conservative Party. And I'm going to bring through a bill saying anyone who votes for the Conservative Party is not allowed to vote again. Oh, Deborah, I'm really going to lower the tone here. <laughs> that was kind of beautiful, and hopefully this too will be. Mm-hmm. I'm a feminist, but I genuinely think it's unladylike to eat ass. <laughs> think, of, think of the most ladylike lady you can imagine. She's not eating. There's no, it's like popcorn. There's no civil way you can eat it. You can't eat 
pear apples and oranges. <laughs> popcorn and ass. You cannot compare popcorn to ass. You have. Well, if, you, if, you eat, if you eat popcorn very gingerly, like you pick it up and you like, put it between your... Mm. Like the way no one's ever eaten popcorn. Yeah, rather sort than just like, like a little canopy. Yeah, but you just dropping in handfuls. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. But uh, how do you eat ass? Um, anyone in from Debrett's uh, <laughs> etiquette etiquette guide who could give us a little uh, the modern guide to eating ass for sophisticated young Sloan Rangers? Um, anyone got any ideas on how to elegantly? I mean, you obviously don't use a knife and fork, but. <laughs> I think it's just like you don't, just the, ch- the chin, the chin in the group. So the chin, okay, well, let's, ima- let's imagine that it's someone with a vulva. So your chin's on the vulva. Yeah. Oh, hold I'm on, your chin's on the vulva. Hold Wait, on. sorry. Which way are they? But it depends where they are. Are yeah. they, well. Yeah, no, yeah. Okay, no, yeah, all right. They're, they're lying on their, they're, they're on their stomach like what, a seal. Why, what if they were... What if they took the inelegant position of being on their hands and knees and then that put you in the elegant position of you could have a napkin? (laughs) (laughs) They made themselves into a human table. Oh, a human table. Yes, yes, yes. I'm familiar. Um, But then you're sort of... But then wouldn't you need to be on hands and... Oh, wait. Well, you could put your legs under the table. (laughs) Oh, you put your legs under the table. No, it's it's sort of like... It's not a table. It's more like a toboggan. Oh, that's good, yes. Yeah, yeah. so like you sort of in Jamaica, oh, we have a bobsled team. a Japanese restaurant where you sit on your knees. You, you know, you sit down yeah. on the floor on your knees. You could sit like that. Yeah, very ladylike. <laughs> that would be quite ladylike. That would be That'd a lady. Be quite that nice. would be the, okay, that would be the most ladylike way of doing it, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm not saying it's full ladylike. <laughs> um, but I think it's mm. an endeavour that, frankly... Okay. I think I, it's... I'm only worried about being ladylike when there's an audience, honestly. In a restaurant, <laughs> I would worry about how I ate a chocolate sundae. Yes. To be honest, I probably wouldn't order one. It's a private pleasure for me. But <laughs> it's true, though. I don't. I don't really enjoy cake in front of strangers. Um, so, but I really love it at home. So I would eat. I ate my birthday cake in the bath um, the, two nights ago. Two nights ago, I ate my what? birthday cake. It's in your the birthday bath. two yeah. nights ago. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, but if you were eating a chocolate sundae in private. Yeah, I might. I don't worry about being ladylike. And honestly, I can't imagine a situation where I would be eating ass mm-hmm. in public. <laughs> I can, yeah, okay. I, I think that's where our, our Sex lives, lives diverge. Yes, I just, I have re- I've recently been at a sex party. <gasps> Okay, the whole Sorry. show is now about the whole that. About this. <laughs> um, tell me more. Tell me more. Like, did it have a car? I... <laughs> no car, and I didn't. I didn't get close to eating ass. But if I did, I just didn't want to. I don't want to. I didn't want to pig out in front of people. No, I see that. I feel like ass maybe could be like a, f- a finger. F- oh, <laughs> stop it! Oh, no! Sorry, sorry. Okay. We found the boundary. We found the line. I wasn't sure. I thought, oh, there's no line here. There's no line. And then suddenly, Sophie just went, what? And and the whole audience went, ah, the line! Uh, Um, Sorry. um, No, that's fine. Uh, Okay, we'll do more stuff with Feminist Butts, but I I feel we we have a moral obligation to come back to the sex party. (laughs) Um, We'll all go. uh, I'm a feminist butt. Mine's going to seem very tame now. Um, I'm a feminist butt. I know Churchill didn't share my values. 
Uh, he didn't want women to have the vote. In fact, he actually, when women under 30 were going to get the vote to make it on par with men, he put forward a motion to say we'd be better off taking away the vote from men under 30 than giving it to women under 30. He, would, he wanted to take away the vote from men before he gave it to women. Um, he also was, obviously, we know, a massive racist on many levels. However... <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> in the prose column for Churchill, I don't think that at any point during the Blitz, he wrote and read out a pub quiz. <laughs> That's what I'm just going to say. I don't think he took the time to go, in the year 1978, uh, did, uh, did, uh, I don't know why he's got that voice. Suddenly. It's just like a pub quiz. Uh, 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 forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. But in the year, 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 1978, what remarkable goal did Tottenham Hotspurs uh, score? Because <laughs> it was the Blitz. Do you know what I mean? So there were things going on. So I imagine that Churchill at no point, at no point, sat down and devised a quiz. And do you see what I mean by this? Like, what is the... How can the bar be any lower? I'm, I would be angry about that in a non-COVID year. I don't want the Prime Minister doing a quiz. I don't want the Prime Minister participating in a quiz. But I especially do not want him to be quiz master. I don't want to see him on Pointless. I don't want to hear that he's played a game of Scrabble. At Christmas, with his own children... I want him working for us all of the time. If a woman is in office, she can have Boxing Day off. <laughs> Go on, do, do a sex party one. No, no. I should have made it Churchill at a sex party. Churchill at a sex party. Is this a not sex party related? <laughs> Sorry, that's my line. I found my line. They didn't want to hear about Churchill at a sex party. I really want to do another two finger mine, but I think it might be painful. No, we want it. Well, um, I'm a feminist, but on Instagram, you'll know the IG. I'm a feminist, but on Instagram, I use wacky filters instead of pretty filters. Like, you know, the wacky filters that make you into a clown or like a bee. And I like do that because I want people to think that I'm like cool and fun and body Don't positive. Don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take myself too seriously. But the reason I use the wacky filters most of the time is because I genuinely think I look more fuckable as a warthog. <gasps> <laughs> Than with my unfiltered face. Oh! <laughs> so not true. Oh, that so wasn't meant to be a sad one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you haven't seen me as a warthog. I, I feel you're more... I can understand... Not, you're not, but I can understand someone thinking they're more fuckable as a bunny. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying I think... Oh. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I would be more fuckable as a bunny. Obviously, that is clear. Um, and I don't use that filter because I don't want the internet to break but um, <laughs> but a warthog so you know a, it's you know it's got the tusks it's a, it brings I a mean, whole I, new I mean I suspect it would be excellent at eating ass <laughs> yeah. all the creatures in the animal kingdom I think it's I think it's long snout would stop it getting purchase on the ass <laughs> but I think <laughs> I think it could sort of oh I think the line I think that might be over the line I think it might be over line territory I was going to say if this is bad, will you please not put it on the podcast? Is that I'm a feminist, but please don't put the things I say on the podcast <laughs> yeah. in case people don't like me. Even they're powerful. Oh, no, I, don't think I think they'll... Oh, no, they won't like me, but... <laughs> Who would like Sophie Duca to go for it? 
I just think, because warthogs have tusks, so while they might not be very good at eating ass, their snouts might be quite good for sitting on. Thank you. Thank you for applauding that. <laughs> the 16 perverts in here. <laughs> um, I'm a feminist. But last night I went to the Cabaret Gala in the West End, which is wonderful, this incredible musical, and I absolutely loved it. But at the end of the night, some of the photographers, you know the photographers that go to those things and stand outside and take pictures of people, um, and then they try and sell them to the press, like they try and sell them to the Daily Mail sidebar of shame and stuff. And I always wonder, I always think, I actually said to a man last night, this is a real I'm a feminist part, I said to a man, how much are you getting from me, really? How much is the Daily Mail really going to give you for a picture of me when Tom Hiddleston is here? That's all I'm asking you. Like, thank you. It's very flattering of you to ask. But at the same time, you could do better for yourself. <laughs> and uh, one of the guys sent me a bunch of pictures to my Instagram DM afterwards, just said, oh, I just thought you might like these. And I immediately said to my friend, oh my God, I look like a squirrel blowing up a balloon. Because <laughs> my face, yeah. At the beginning of the night, the pictures of me were really nice. It was the end of the night. It was all a bit sweaty. It was all a bit, you know, a few drinks in. And I'd, I'd made a rookie error of pulling my hair back off my face. And then, honestly, I looked like a squirrel blowing up a balloon. Like, <laughs> Yeah, my face was like, I don't oh. know what had happened to it. But I looked at those pictures and said, I cannot post any of those, but thank you so much for sending them to me. And I said to the man, I must never wear my hair like that again. And the man was like, oh, I think you look really nice. And I was like, well, you know nothing. <laughs> Why would you send me these? I think, firstly, a man sent you multiple photographs over Instagram DMs that weren't of his penis. <laughs> Bless, <win>. him. <laughs> Bless him. Bless him. Doing the Lord's work. Secondly, he thought you, I think you probably squirrels adorable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the balloon comes into it. Did you have an, a large inflatable in front of your face, or it's just the a mime a squirrel miming blowing a balloon? Um, it's it just I just hated my face. <laughs> I like my face normally. I didn't like my face in these photos. Don't go oh like you don't like you like all photos of you. You don't. You hate half the photos of you. You probably hate three quarters of them. And if you don't, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Sophie, have you got another one? Yeah. <sighs> I'm a feminist, but I don't respect my own genitals. I'll explain. I've no doubt. I don't respect my own genitals because I skimp on the uh, essentials. I buy, so like there are two types of hair removal cream, sensitive and regular. And I think sensitive exists so that you can slather it on your punani and regular exists for everywhere else. I, instead of buying sensitive, don't judge me, only God can judge me. Instead of buying sensitive hair removal cream and regular hair removal cream, because my um, vajingo is much smaller than the rest of my body, which is also covered with hair, I just buy regular strength hair removal cream put it on my pussy and whisper to my vulva, I believe in you.
Live from the Sound Warmaker Playhouse at the Globe in London, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest host Sophie Duker, and our very special guest, Kathy Lett, talking about women and power. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis-White, with me is Sophie Duca, and we are talking about women and power as part of the Globe's Women and Power Festival. So, Sophie Duca. Yeah. Women. And. Power. (laughs) How are you feeling about those subjects at the end of 2021? The end of 2021. Right now, in this right. moment, you've got a power Ooh. outfit. I'll, I'll admit those sleeves are powerful. And Elizabethan. Uh, yeah, that's a, that was the intention, not to come cosplaying as a quality street. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the pink one. Um, yeah, I feel at the end of 2021 mm. that language has sort of dissolved. Uh, <laughs> institutions I have no faith in. And I don't really know what lies ahead so thinking about women it's hard to feel powerful when you don't even know which platform you're trying to climb to the top of or if it will be there in a few months do you know that is my latest constant question what does progress look like for women at this point of late stage capitalism I don't know what I want anymore. I'm like, well, I don't want to be at top of that. Oh, that's corrupt. Oh, no. Oh, well, what's that about? Well, that's ruining the climate. And I'm like, I don't just want to stay home and take (laughs) no centre stage. Like, maybe it's better to take centre stage in a space that's got some power. Like an apocalyptic crumbling. Yeah, it just feels like I'm trying to take... It just feels like... Okay, this is what it feels like. I'm on the Titanic. (laughs) I'm a woman who's never been allowed to captain a ship. We've hit the iceberg. There's no going back. There's no way of saving it. It's all the men's fault. And at the last minute, I'm going to go, I'll be the last captain on this ship. It'll be my name that says it goes down. (laughs) And women will be blamed at the last minute for the sinking of the Titanic when they had nothing to do with any of the decisions leading up. So in some ways, I'm I'm like, guys, is this your mess? Yeah, let them have it. I think you need to be short term. I think that's what I'm doing now. I'm living second to second. (laughs) I keep forgetting where I am. I'm inside a haunted music box. I just like, when I eat things now, I'm like, this might be the last time because the Brexit lorries won't be bringing them in. Like, if I I had a pair and I was like, this might be the last pair. I knew it wasn't because I bought three pairs. Well, that's what someone said to me about Brexit the other day. They said, oh, will it, you know, if life gives you lemons? And I was like, as if we're going to be able to get citrus fruit in six months. It's like, lol, if Brexit gives you lemons, when's that going to happen? Would you like to hear Sophie Duke do some stand-up comedy? Can I stand up? Yes, please. Hello, everybody! Oh my god, okay, I'm so excited to be here. I am wearing a dress that is both too big and too small for me. I'm very excited. Um, If those of you who don't know who I am, uh, Deborah said my name multiple times, but my name is Sophie. I am an openly black comedian. uh, And it is so nice to be here at this Omicron mixer. Lovely. Give me a cheer if you are double jabbed. Nice. Triple jabbed? Oh, anti-jabs? 
Great. If anyone had cheered, I would have had them removed by security. Oh, so many triple jabs in tonight. People who've had their booster. Booster, the power of three pricks coursing through your veins. Amazing. The reason I ask about uh, jabs at the start is I feel like you can really gauge the vibe of an audience depending on which vaccine people got. And I'm getting a real strong AstraZeneca energy from this side of the room. Am I right? How many people got AstraZeneca? Lovely. I love AstraZeneca because if you got AstraZeneca, that means that you are either old or not picky. (laughs) You'd rather a clot than a cough. (laughs) Anyone get Pfizer? the millennials got Pfizer. And I don't know if you noticed, I don't know when you got it, but everyone who got Pfizer was so, so proud of getting (laughs) Pfizer. Like their statuses and their selfies, they were like, I just got my Pfizer shot. (laughs) I really hung back myself when deciding whether or not to get the vaccine. Um, I didn't want to be one of the first because it looks desperate, no offense. But I didn't want to leave it too long because if you do, you worry you might be dead before it happens. When it finally came, I got vaccinated really close to here in London Bridge, and I was so pumped when my V-Day came. I cycled to the vaccination station. I took up three seats so I could propel myself into the booth. I wore a skirt, just in case they wanted to put it in my butt. (laughs) The vaccination assistant called my name. I read his name tag. His name was Tim, which was an anti-climax. We had a bit of pre-prick chat, a bit of foreplay. I found out that before the panacotta, Tim worked in theatre, and now he's desperately unhappy. (laughs) And after Tim had reassured me that I could and should leave my clothes on for the procedure, (laughs) he said, okay, today we're going to give you your first dose of Moderna. (laughs) And I said, what? out loud and in my head the fuck (laughs) and he said Moderna and I said no and he said what and I said Pfizer and he said no it's Moderna I said oh no 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 no. I don't want to die and I know what I sounded like I basically was so scared of getting the Moderna vaccine and I know like like, can I get Pfizer I know I sounded like a Karen asking to see the white doctor but I knew in my heart that I didn't want that vinegar of a vaccine. I didn't know Moderna. As far as I knew, Moderna was some 80s pop star that might want to adopt me. (laughs) So in the end, um, I got my Moderna vaccine. It was either that or fight Tim. And as I was leaving, to add insult to injury, as I was leaving, he was like, well, cheer up, it's not so bad. You know, the Moderna vaccine was funded by... Dolly Parton. As if that would make things better. (laughs) No shade to Dolly Parton. There are any Dolly stands in the room. I will always love her. But telling me that a country music star funded my vaccine (laughs) did not help my anxiety. I mean, like, I I love Dolly. I think she's great, but I just don't believe she put the requisite amount of pressure on the scientists. I mean, I remember, like, the whole global medical community was racing around the clock, night and day, to find a cure, and she probably only had her people working regular eight-hour shifts. (laughs) (laughs) 
I want to talk about something that I've never spoken about before tonight. Um, I want to talk about something that uh, is very close to my heart. I want to talk about my relationships. Ooh, yes, I know. Thank you. And I don't often talk about my relationships on stage. I don't talk about them at all. I don't talk about who I'm seeing. I don't talk about who I'm shagging. I don't talk about which Strictly judges I wank off to. <laughs> all of them, except for Anton. So, I was once told something by a television producer, which was that uh, audiences don't enjoy female stand-ups who are sexy or political. <laughs> I know, sexy <laughs> or political. No, what they don't like females who are sexy or political, which sucks for me because all of my best anecdotes are about topping Rishi Sunak. <laughs> Eat out to help out. <laughs> More like neg me than peg me. Um, but I don't actually talk about my relationships on stage because it is a betrayal of trust, obviously. I don't talk about the men in my life because it's a betrayal of trust. If I was to tell you that the Chancellor of Exchequer doesn't bring cash to strip lugs as he feels like the Queen is watching, that would be a betrayal of trust. But I had a breakup a year and a month ago. One year, one month ago to today. And I know it is sad in a way. <laughs> but it's also a great day because it's over a year and that means that the statute of limitations <laughs> has run out on whether or not I can talk about him on stage. So, little bit about my relationship before I go. I was in an interracial relationship. Whoop, thank you, some whoops from people who have watched porn. It wasn't... <laughs> It wasn't a porn interracial relationship. People always think because of porn that interracial just means a white person and a person who is paid less. But no, um, I was the black person in my relationship. My, uh, my boyfriend was of Arab heritage. Um, he was Arab, Arab heritage, I say, because he was white passing. And um, white passing, if you're not familiar with the term, is a term for someone who has privilege but wants funding. <laughs> My boyfriend and I are really close, like very, very close. Not like, you know, suck his dick close, but you know, like stroke his hair, play with his balls close. And I've wondered a lot during the pandemic about how close is too close. And I think whatever too close is, we are it. Because I use the period tracker app Clue. Thank you, some fans in. I use the period tracker clap. <laughs> I use the clap tracker period clue. <laughs> I use the period tracker. I use the period tracker app clue. Um, some of you will be familiar with it. Those of you who are familiar with it will know that there is an option to share your calendar with a spouse or partner. <laughs> Which that means that my ex-boyfriend still has <laughs> direct access <laughs> to my cycle. <laughs> which is a much more intense version of not changing your Netflix password. <laughs> Thank you so much. I've been Sophie Chica. Goodbye. Please welcome to the mic, Deborah Francis. Um, so you know how men refuse to deconstruct text messages? Right. They just won't participate in that. When you show a man a text message, you go, what do you think that means? He reads the words at you. <laughs> That's not what it means. That's what it says. That's what it means. They won't play that game. Slash can't play that game. And they act like they don't want to play it. 
because they can't play it, because they're competitive cunts. Now, I'm talking about cishet guys here, but even some of the gay ones aren't great at it, I'll be honest. Um, they're not, though. They're not. Like, some of my best gay friends, uh, male friends, they're happy to deconstruct a text twice. <laughs> Fucking amateurs. <laughs> All the gold medalists in analysis of human behavior in a microcosm where emotions are involved are women in the history of the world. And I see men on the darkest corners of the internet saying, oh, women are manipulative. They say one thing and they mean another. In other words, what they're sensing is that for the first six months of a relationship, we have a panel of advisors and a writer's room for every written transaction. They don't know it in their heads. They just know we are ahead of them and outsmarting them at every single turn and it bothers them understandably. I mean, we are feminists, but we do manipulate them sometimes. That's the case, isn't it? Now, Steven Pinker, you know, he does evolutionary theory and says things like, oh, on the savannah. Um, so I'm going to do that now, but I don't have any science to back it up. But honestly, how much has he got? Like, what does he... He just says, because science. Have you read his books? They're really good. They're really interesting. But he does just say, because science. How does he fucking know? He wasn't there. So he just says his thing with confidence, and we think science. So I'm going to do that. This is what really genuinely happened on the savannah, because science. I'm wearing trousers. Um, so, okay, this is my theory about uh, power. Um, women historically haven't had any. That's not a theory, that's a fact. Um, so whatever proximity to power we had, we had to use. And we had to get good as a gender at figuring out how to make the powerful do what we wanted. So, if you can't vote, you're a Victorian woman, you can't vote but your husband can, you might say to him, how are you going to vote? And if he, in his armchair, goes, oh, the way I always vote, you have to ask at your sewing circle the next day, what did he mean by that? Because if you're going to get him to change his vote to the one that's good for you, you're going to need to analyze what he just said with your sisters, show them the texts, join a WhatsApp group, which in those days was done by embroidery, and get them on the job of analyzing it so then you can influence him and manipulate him into doing what you want so your life is slightly less shit than it would have been. If you're an Elizabethan lady who might have come to a theater like this and you're literally your only chance for a living is marriage, that's the only possible career for you, why hasn't he called becomes a life and death critical question. So it, it's understandable that an Elizabethan woman who has literally no other way of eating might ask the question, what do you mean by that? Do you think he's going to call again? How do I manipulate him into calling when he isn't, clearly isn't going to? We need a full committee on this. Because otherwise, I will be dead inside six weeks. On the other hand, the reason that men are no good at this is because the wealthy landowner who owned a mill would simply go down to the mill and say to the mill manager, which of your daughters is the prettiest? I want to marry that one. And when the daughter said, oh, um, oh, all right, like, like you and me being...
married. Like, what? He never had to ask the question, what did she mean by that? Because it didn't fucking matter to him or to his friends. And that is why we have a superior skill. If you feel you don't have a lot of power, but you've got proximity to power, and you do, start looking in the places you have proximity to it and realize you have evolved a superpower. You know how to analyze. And if you don't, you have a committee of close friends who do. You are the United Nations of emotional manipulation. Get with it, sisters. Our guest today is a celebrated and outspoken comic writer who has an inimitable take on serious current issues. With a string of international bestsellers, she is considered one of the pioneering voices of contemporary feminism. Uh, She's someone I grew up with in Australia. She's written 16 novels that have been published in 17 languages, from puberty blues to her latest HRT husband replacement therapy, (laughs) spanning... The ages from puberty to menopause, I assume as she has lived them, she has documented them. So she has been around for some decades. She is somebody I really, really admire and I am delighted and honoured to present to you, Guilty Feminist fans. Many of you will know her. If you don't, you're in for a treat. I have asked her to read something from her latest novel. So please welcome to the stage and to the mic, the wonderful Kathy Lett. Do we love Deborah, honestly? She's a human wonder bra, uplifting, supportive, and making other women look bigger and better, isn't she? Amazing, for sure. So I'm just going to read a tiny bit from my last novel. Uh, And as Sophie set the tone, or lowered the tone, I'm just going to continue along that vein. So it's a scene where um, a woman has discovered her husband is cheating on her. He's one of those guys who thinks monogamy is something you make dining room tables out of. And um, so she's been married a long time. She's having her first sexual encounter with a younger man. So I'll just read a tiny bit from there. So, he kissed his way down my body and my pulse quickened. I felt his tongue flick under the lacy edge of my lingerie and brush back and forth across my vulva for a blissful few seconds. Just as I was surrendering to the joyous idea of finding myself in one of those subtitled European movies, Wave said something I couldn't quite catch. What? Hair? He said, perplexed before drawing back. Um, yes, well, we are mammals, I pointed out reassuringly. <laughs> Wave tugged my lover's spark Brazilian briefs down to my thighs and gazed amazed at my nether region. I kissed the top of his head, stroking his shoulders encouragingly, but glancing down at his naked body, I realised that my toy boy's impressive appendage had deflated faster than a beachside lilo at the end of summer. <laughs> Beer dick, I surmised. Well, it was getting late and he'd no doubt been drinking all day. Oh, wait, wait. Could it be the bush? Maybe he'd never seen a woman with bush. No way. He told me in the lift that he'd grown up on a sheep station. So surely (laughs) the bloke was used to a little light bushwalking. I had been hoping that he might actually be partial to a little bit of bush tucker. But Wave was making a repulsed face like a kid who'd been offered a plate of spinach. 
The condom hung limply from his cock. The way washing hangs lifeless from the hill's hoist on a breezeless day. For him, this was clearly a Bush Tucker trial. (laughs) Suddenly, instead of starring in a black and white French film, I'd been unceremoniously recast in an episode of I'm a Non-Entity, Get Me Out of Here. Do you prefer your women waxed, I inquired? A wax pudenda may sound erotic, but when it's growing back, it looks like a shag pile that's been terrorised. A super itchy shag pile. Judging by the intense look of revulsion on his face, Wave was thinking that waxing wouldn't be enough to achieve deforestation on the scale this situation required. No, my mons was obviously going to require several months of strategic bombing with napalm. Um, this, well... I mean, I do like my pubic hair, so I like having a little pet in my pants, but... Um, this, the scene doesn't go that well, and it's not because she's faking an orgasm, but he's just faking foreplay is what I'm saying. Kathy Lett, everybody! <laughs> I hope you like my dress. I've got suffragette colours on. Purple, what? Thank you, thank you. Um, I love it. I actually, I wear this, which is a suffragette coin uh, that was damaged by the suffragettes. On one side it says votes for women, and the other it says WSPU. And they used to, this was what they called an outrage, where they would uh, damage the coin and then put it back into circulation to make it valueless. Ironically, it's now worth quite a bit because women cannot do maths. Um, uh, but I wear it as a sort of pass and I wear it on a Victorian men's guard chain, which he would have worn, used for his watch, because I, I like patriarchal jewellery. I like to go, I've got the power now. Um, but do you remember, in, we used to say, feminists in, of my generation used to, used to say the reason we were bad at math was we were always being told that that was 10 inches. That was hey. the joke. Tish hey. boom, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, I really love your writing, Cathy. I was reading a book recently that was set and written in the 80s. And all I could think the whole time was, thank God political correctness went mad. Because honestly, the way women were living, and this was like a fun comedy romp book. And I was reading it for research for something, and I was like, this is what women were living with. The sexism was horrendous. It was violent. Like, a woman in the book is beaten up by a man who's jealous, and she says, oh, I deserved it because I cheated on him. And, you know. and then other people say, oh, yeah, everyone's going to... Don't publish the photos. Everyone's going to think you deserved it. And stuff like that that's just... It's not presented as horrifying. It's just presented as that's how it is. And that's not the worst thing in the book by any means. I don't want to ruin the gig by telling you the other things. Um, but I just... I am very interested because what year did you start your first job? Um, well, the first in, proper job when I was about 21, like a job in television. Um, and for uh, or most of the audience, he's very young. But for your mums, I mean, for what it was like for us, we had no protection legally, really. You just had to go out wearing a bulletproof bra. And I'll just tell you what my first job interview was like. It was with a television station in Australia. I already had a novel out and I already had a column in the newspaper. So I wasn't kind of green. But I went for my job interview at a TV station to present on television. There were like five or six guys, powerful guys. You would know all their names. And I'm sitting opposite them and the big boss put $10 down on the table and said, I bet I can make your tits move without touching them. And I just went, oh, yeah, whatever, you know. He leaned over, grabbed my breast and mauled it. And then he said, ha, ha, you won, there's the $10. So not being green, I immediately put $20 on the table and said, I bet I can make your balls move without touching them and kicked him between the legs. Did you? Yes. (laughs) But 
You know, did she really? Yes. Yeah. And today, what had, did the other men do? Oh, they thought it was hysterical. <laughs> you know, and I got the job. But <laughs> this is incredible. Oh yeah. wow! But you know, today you'd have a sexual harassment case, but in those days, no. You just had to be tough and, and give dish back as good as you got. And what um, we developed was, I call it the black belt in tongue foo. Because, yes, men are physically stronger, but women are more verbally dexterous. We use about 350 more words in our daily vocabulary. So you can take a bloke down with a great one-liner and get other people to laugh at him. You completely nuke his power. So, you know, I always say to girls when I give talks in schools, you know, when you're getting ready to go out, you're underdressed without a couple of good one-liners tucked up your trouser leg, you know. Um. Um. Um, can I ask more about what it was like? Because I was really shocked by... Because the 80s isn't that long ago. Like, when you watch Mad Men, you go, oh, again, it's only really a few decades ago, but it, it feels like a, in the long time before. Do you know what I mean? It feels like, oh, the women were dressed like this and the men were dressed like that. It was very binary. And But the 80s feels too recent for what I was reading. And also, it was the late 80s. And I was like, oh, my God, is this how people were? And it was the racism, it's the homophobia, it's the like the extreme, really extreme. Can you tell us about what it was like at that time? And how did you, and I say this, can I say, I'm going to say this gently, because if you were the kind of a woman who could put the $20 down and, you know, go for it, amazing, you could then get the job. But there's lots of women who couldn't for all sorts of reasons. So presumably there was lots of cannon fodder who literally just couldn't get through. So I'm really interested to hear from somebody who had that kind of ability to get through and witnessed it and what was there. So please tell us stories from the 80s. <laughs> I mean, I'm just happy to listen. Well, the reason that I was quite tough by the time I was 21 is that I grew up in this surfy culture. You were 21 when that happened? No. Yeah. Yes, I was 21, yeah. When you kicked the man between the balls? Yeah. No. Oh, I was imagining you like at 29 or... Oh, no. no but, but she'd already had a book out and a column. Yeah, but the, because I grew up in the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I left school young. I mean, I left school... Were you a TikTok city. star or like how did that happen? <laughs> um, wow. But I'd grown up in this very tribal surfy culture, which Deborah knows mm. about. And I wrote this book called Puberty Blues about that time. And the men, the boys were so sexist as an example of how chauvinistic they were. They used to get us to cut their names out in paper, sticky tape it to our stomach so we get a tan tattoo in the shape of their names. Oh. So if ever I get cancer, I'll have a melanoma called Bruce. <laughs> and, and I'll have to have like a brucectomy to get rid of it, right? <laughs> so, and their terms for women were bush pigs or swamp hogs, or if you were good looking, they'd call you a glamour maggot. The terms for sex were rooting, tooling, poking, stabbing, plugging and meat injecting. It's not exactly a Shakespearean love sonnet. Where was this in Australia? In Cronulla, yeah. down wow. at, yeah. But the way I got out of that whole surfy, um, brutal sort of sexist uh, cult in a way was that I had a good girlfriend. And, of mm. course, as I was saying about Deborah, about your women friends being a human wonder bras, as long as you've got a comrade in arms, you can stand up against anything, I think. But I was quite hardened. I was ready to deal with those TV executives by then. Wow, at 21. 21. You at 21. But it, it hasn't... We, can't, oh, sorry, we could just say like, 21 no, just for the I do the like the phrase meat injection. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I feel a, a stand-up routine coming on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it. I'd go for my meat injection booster. Um. <laughs> but, but also, and sometimes I think it hasn't really still improved as much as we would like it to because mm. 
things like um, when I was young, a man who was sexually active was a, a love god, a stud muffin, a spunk rat, you know, Romeo, <laughs> Lothario. A spunk rat. <laughs> but a woman I mean, with the same sexual appetites was a slut, a tart, a tramp, a mole. You know, people expected, men expected you to be mole. very virginal. <laughs> and the guy would be like, oh, am I the first man to make love to you? To which the woman would reply like, of course, I don't know why you men keep asking the same silly question. <laughs> but that hasn't improved that much. Still, I think women feel that. That need, you know, we always say we've slept with less men than we have. We men always say they've slept with more women than they have. I mean, so mm. Mm. see, I was a Jehovah's Witness, so I tend to double my number just, <laughs> just, just to make it half what everyone at the, else at the dinner party is declaring because I feel it's too uncool. So I absolutely have the opposite thing of that because anytime I have like a wild night out and something goes a bit, you know, my, I've got friends who go, oh God, last night, what did I say? I'm so embarrassed, da, da, da. And I'll go, I'll just wake up and go, proof I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. And I get so happy with myself. I give myself like a little prize for not being a Jehovah's Witness. And I, so I, but I understand the impetus. I do think this generation now, like Sophie, you know, young millennial and Gen Zs are doing the whole, uh, you know, sex positive. There isn't the same thing, is yeah, there? I know. I don't, I don't feel the need to lie about how many men I've had sex with unless I'm having sex with a woman. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I think it's like now, I think virgins are, no, if there are versions here, it's cool. But I think the first time, you can't expect it to be a good time. So the fact that you would idolise someone who's got, like, no, no experience, experience in the job. Like, they might take to it like a, a duck to water. <laughs> but I think, like, just trying to be, like, I want to have sex with someone who's never, who's maybe feeling nervous, who maybe needs, like, guidance. I think it's quite weird to fetishise that. And I think it is about power that men want to be, they want to feel like they're the most capable, they're the most knowledgeable and they can guide this. And you're not comparing them to anyone else. You're, oh, yeah. you know, they, they know they're the best you've had if they're all you've had. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's, it's a competition thing, but partly, and it's sort of owned from a time when women were owned. But when the, in terms of the corporate power dynamic, when you were working in television, did you have any female bosses? Absolutely not, no. It was, and when you were in a meeting... And trying to put the female point of view across, it was like you would just beam down from Mars. Yeah. And what was the sexual harassment like? Chronic, every day. I remember my another boss at the TV station once I was in, coming home from a function in the car with him and he, he groped me in the car and I just slapped him and, and I, when I got home I told my boyfriend about it. And um, the next day, we were just rolling our eyes at him, the next day, he sent his mistress around with flowers because we all knew he was having an affair with the woman at the station. He sent his mistress around with flowers to say sorry to me so I wouldn't, you know, make a big deal of it. But just not, Sorry, sorry. Yes, just, just, yes, <laughs> yeah. We're just going to pause. This is a typical um, sort of 80s story. Yeah. So he had a wife. Had a wife, but he had a mistress who worked at the television station in publicity. We all knew they were having an affair. So, and he thought, oh, geez, I think I groped Kath last night. I hope she doesn't tell the press, you know. Oh, I better send some flowers. So, and he sent his mistress round. She knocked on the door with the flowers. Wow. That woman's so, not got to be feeling good about herself on any level, has she? No. At that point, so I'm like, oh, She's God. Like, I never get flowers. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. All he gave I, me was syphilis. I, yeah. I suppose when he fucked up with his mistress, his wife had to take the flowers round. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's sort of like... The, sort of... My, the question is, who took yeah. the flowers to her? Um, so that was the 80s. A loop. That was the 80s. But, you know, when I say things haven't changed that much, we've had in Australia one female prime minister, you know, Julia Gillard. We've had her on the podcast. Oh, isn't she wonderful? She's incredible. She's a friend of mine. But the way she was treated. Do you all know the stories of how she mm. was... And how the, Tony Abbott, who was the, the leader of the opposition, would stand in front of placards saying, ditch the witch. And then there was a, a, um, 
our version of the Tories, the Liberal Party, um, fund, Conservative Party fundraiser, on the menu they had uh, Julia Quayle Gillard or something. And the, the, it was just was quail or chicken, and they described her as as having uh, big thighs, small breasts, and a red box, stuff like that. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then she, of course, decided that she was going to serve kind of chauvinist pig on a spit. So she then did that amazing SmackDown speech. But while she was making that speech about Tony Abbott, the press gallery, which is all male, was saying, "Oh God, this is embarrassing. How how awkward. How vile. She's making this stupid speech." Meanwhile, around the world, it was being seen as the most impressive political knockdown speech ever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's still very chauvinistic. And don't think it's not the same here. Don't forget, Boris Johnson has just given a job to Tony Abbott as trade advisor. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just, oh, I, I just, uh, <sighs> I, it, it, yeah. 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 Okay, so on the positive side, <laughs> what what changes have you seen in the decade since you wrote Puberty Blues to now that you feel like something good has happened? Well, and the what Me Too hope do movement. You have? Wow, how fabulous. How I mean, phenomenal. That, it's amazing, but it really only happened last Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so recent, it's isn't like, it? So, yeah, so, five minutes ago, something good happened. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so really, was it can't have been the same from the sort of 80s right through to 2018 or 2016. Well, you know, we feminists have been saying this. I'm 63 now. We've been saying the same things for so long. And we're like... It's not going to change until men join us at the barricades and fight for us to have um, equal rights because equal pay. I mean, for God's sake, Emily Pankhurst tied herself to the railings 100 years ago. We still don't have equal pay. We're still getting concussion hitting our head on the glass ceiling and we're supposed to clean it while we're up there. <laughs> so any woman who calls herself a post-feminist has kept her wonder bra and burn her brains because we still have a long way to go. And it's not as though women are asking for that much. Equal pay, great. We'd like you to work out mutual orgasm is, you know, not an insurance company. That'd be lovely. <laughs> We'd like you to help around the house a little bit because it's scientifically proven that no woman ever shot her husband while he was vacuuming. We know that. <laughs> and um, we'd like you to do the odd sensitive things with snow peas because the weight of a woman's heart is through her stomach. It's not aiming too high. Men always said to me, what do women want in bed? And I'm like, breakfast. That would be nice. <laughs> that would be great. You know, not asking too much. So, But no, it, it is getting better because I think especially younger men who've been raised by feminists, they now expect to do housework and they expect to sort of pull their emotional weight as well. So I think that it is really improving, although, go on, Sophie would know more than I on that score. I mean, yeah, I think that men have found different ways to be shit. Is that... (laughs) I don't... I can't really, I can't really speak to what it's like. I think it's really good that people are more emotionally intelligent, and there's more of a focus on mental health and understanding that people don't talk about things that people have problems. But I think that what's happened now is that people uh, know know what not to do to be seen as someone who is a terrible man. So I worked in television um, about five years ago, um, and still there was this, like there was a lot of terrible shit going on. Can I ask, had the price for touching your breast gone up with inflation? <laughs> was it at least a 50? That's all I want to know. It was, a, it was sort of it was contactless. It was just sort of a... <laughs> <laughs> Does contactless work on the breasts? <laughs> You've got more of a cleavage tonight. You just right, sort of yeah, swipe, yeah. Uh, swipe down through the tits. 
Um, yeah, I had, um, I mean, maybe like I had a man who like worked, I worked with, I'm wondering now what we'll get on the podcast, but like sort of, I think they have very weird relationships with women. It's the certain like corners of television where they're not used to having very many women. So I think in a like television production team, quite a lot of the time there'd be a lot of boys going out, doing the shoot and there would be like, the women would be like the production managers who they had to report to. But then when you're like the only woman out on a big shoot with lots of men and they're like talking about like having a gangbang in the oh. car on the way back from the shoot. That's something that happened to me. Like just got like, no. yeah. Yeah. With a, yeah. okay. I won't, I won't say who it is because they are still working in television. Um, but like stuff like that, there was a lot of like sort of verbal abuse and like jokes and like uh, when some women were like auditioning to be on like a reality show, like obviously like the men talking about their bodies and stuff. So I feel like they're better at not keeping a paper trail. This is in terms of like in institutions, People know not to take a picture of their dick and send it on like a round robin to the rest of the office, but they don't, they still kind of, when they feel safe they, and they don't think they're being recorded, they, they sort of do whatever they want. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Okay, so power. Let's think about power. I am interested in the difference between influence and power because I think influence is a type of power because influence by necessity moves something. If I can influence someone to do something, I can get them to shift behavior. Renietta Lodge, when asked, uh, how can I be a better ally as a white person to black people? Um, she has in the past responded, well, I don't know where you hold power. And that is a great thing to think about, like so impactful. And I think that is the best question we can ask ourselves because I think we don't always see or notice where we hold power. And sometimes our power is, in fact, our ability to influence. And so what is our circle of influence? So can we talk for a little while about the difference between influence and power and how we might use our influence? 
Well, I think we were talking backstage about what, something that happened in, in Australia once again where um, one of those shock jock guys was um, incredibly rude about a, a female celebrity and was talking about her weight. I mean, can I just say, this guy had a what we call a veranda over the toy shop. Like, you know, <laughs> had a big beer belly. And I'm like, have you got a mirror? I mean, honestly. But one of my sisters, I've got three sisters, she was so incensed that she started an online campaign. Um, we found out that one of the big sponsors of the radio show was um, Weight Watchers. So they, she started a campaign where women just wrote to Weight Watchers saying, we will never buy your product because you sponsor this shock job. And, of course, if you hit them in the pocket, that's where influence really bites because then he was nearly sacked from the show. He had to apologise because he needed the sponsorship back. So I think we need to do that online campaigning stuff much, much more because, you know, we're consumers. Women spend a lot of money and we don't want to spend it with the wrong people. So I think just getting organised in that way is really effective. That's influence becoming power. And... Interestingly, that whole conversation, what, what year did that happen? Do you know the, the sort of a period, vague period? About four years ago. Because I think that conversation's moved on even further now to a point of we wouldn't support Weight Watchers anyway because yeah. of its sort of body shaming connotations. Like, Weight Watchers have never made anyone feel bad about themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they've changed their name. For a while, it was just WW and they wouldn't say what either W stood for. And then now it's Wellness Works. And I'm like, oh. come on. Come on, we know what you mean because you used what? to say it out loud. Oh. Uh, yeah, but there was a little interim period of we just called WW. What's the W stand for? Not, don't know. <laughs> and, and the other W? Uh, my phone's ringing. I'm just going to take this. Yeah, hi, hi. And then they came back with this wellness works, and I'm like, it isn't, you know. So, but that in itself is an example of. If young feminists and activists going, we don't want the shit anymore. We don't want you telling us that we've got to lose weight. We don't want you making us feel bad. I spent so many years counting fucking points and, you know, all of this stuff. I'm like, you know what? Fuck off. Like, I just, I'm just going to listen to my body and nourish and move it and it'll be what it wants to be. Um, um, but, but that step is, you know, all of these things are important steps towards progress and that step in itself was probably important at the time to kind of go, we don't want people body shamed on the radio, hypocritically or otherwise. Sophie, what do you think about the difference between... How much power do you feel you have versus how much influence Ooh. do you think you have? I, I, okay, power versus influence. I think my power is quite limited. I don't hold dominion over, like a lot of spaces and I'm not the person like paying the check, turning the key. So I, and I don't know if I could like, you know, with gumption kick a man in the balls. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be able to reach. Um, so I think that like power, not so much, but I think influence in terms of like the job I do mm -hmm. and the spaces that I'm allowed into. So both spaces there, I might be speaking to a lot of like women and non-binary people who are very young, who haven't necessarily been reached or aren't being reached out to by like big corporations or into spaces which are like really crusty old clubs with lots of men that I probably wouldn't speak to in the street, but I get to go into their spaces and entertain them. So I think the power of like influence and discourse is one that I probably, like, yeah, is one that I've chosen to wield because I'm like not physically strong enough to kick a man in the balls. I just have to do it with a dick joke. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, the reason I write, use comedy, I think if you can disarm with charm, you're much more 
likely to get your message over. And my I, my favourite thing is where a woman will tell me when I'm on book tour that she's reading my book and, and her husband will be saying, or her male partner will be saying, oh, what are you reading a book by that, you know, hairy-legged feminist for whatever. And then um, she, she'll laugh at another bit and he'll go, read me out a bit. She'll read out a bit and he'll go, okay, read me another bit. You know, and then after a few days he disappears into the toilet with the book because, you know, <laughs> men think sitting on the toilet's a leisure activity. Um, but... And that, that's one of my favourite things of I think that um, I can win over someone who might be a bit chauvinistic by making them laugh and then slipping a feminist message in in that way. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing with stand-up too, that you're disarming with your brilliant comedy and slipping in the feminist message, right? Just sort of under the table, just cradling the balls, not kicking, <laughs> kicking the balls. It's it's true. People do they People, you, yeah. the psychological studies they say that your armor comes down when you're laughing. Yeah, you, are, so you then, open up. Yeah, it definitely is an important tool in the toolbox. I think sometimes on I notice on social media that some people their only tool is anger and there's no disrespect to anger which is very important and valuable as a motivator but it can't be the only tool in your box if you want to be truly influential. In terms of like then taking that step towards power where you might for example govern mm. I often have a problem that I feel like because governments were created for and by men, often women who can actually get power are the ones who serve mm. the... In the case of Pretty Patel, I would say they... Be, <laughs> because she serves the desires and greed of the poshest, most privileged white men, she then gets used as a sort of shield of, well, this policy of drowning children with water cannons in the English Channel can't possibly be racist or sexist because we've got a brown woman doing it. How do we shift that? How do we get women into government? Or do we need to dismantle it and start again? I think we need to look at Iceland. Okay, Iceland is the most fascinating country. There was a big hoo-ha about the fact that women didn't have equal pay there. So... Every woman in the country went on strike. I mean, every woman. Women who were stay-at-home mums didn't take the kids to school, doctors, teachers, nobody. Women just didn't get out of bed for a day. And the whole country ground to a halt. And they got equal pay passed in Parliament the next week. I mean, it's a tiny country. It's only 500,000 people. But isn't that just the most extraordinary story? So I think, yes, there... I write comedy and, I, and I, as I said, that's my tool. But being angry is also so important because my generation were brought up to be kind of decorative and demure, you know, and we, it, all the research would show that if a man and woman started talking at the same time, the woman would always pull back. And I don't think young women are like that. And I love that, that they're just they're not, they're not taking any prisoners and they're just, just, just out there and fighting. And, and, that's, and we need a lot more of that. And for my generation, we only really got to that point after the menopause because the great girls, don't worry about the menopause because it's fabulous after the menopause. <laughs> no periods, no pregnancy. And also your, your estrogen goes down, which is your caring, sharing hormone, and your testosterone comes up. <laughs> and you get a little bit more bullshit, a little bit more selfish, a little bit more like a bloke basically. And you just don't give a flying fuck what anybody thinks about you. <laughs> And it is so liberating. And, and, you know, that's come to me after post-60, but I think young women have got that already and I so admire that and adore that about you. At 21, you <laughs> literally <laughs> kicked a man in the balls. I, I, 
I feel you had the menopause very early. Um, <laughs> Sophie, would you ever go into politics to try and engage in the system we have or restructure it? No, I would no. I I wouldn't do. I think it seems a completely just horrific, corrupt system. I I did a. Uh, um, so a few years back when like Diane Abbott was getting like horrific abuse, um, I, uh, me and my friend Tony were like, this is shit and just like quite triggering and really terrible because a lot of the abuse that she got was not only misogynistic, but was really racist as well. And so we did a sort of campaign to get her a care package, but also then gave like money to charities in Hackney, which is her constituency. But when I went in, I was just like, this feels like the worst part of school. Having to go in every day with people who don't respect you who will sort of, like, sell you out. I think there is a certain amount of, like, oh, it's all for the cameras, but if you're someone who's quite, like, despised or sort of someone who, like, people feel like they can just say things about, on, even within comedy, not just within politics, on every panel show, it's just like, oh, Diane Abbott can't do maths or she's, like, lazy or she's stupid. I mean, compared it, to once she didn't know the numbers or something, or but I'm like, they the all, the times, whole times, these men don't know fucking anything. They, they yeah. <laughs> They can't do... They're so incompetent. None of them can count or understand. Yeah, Boris, Johnson does, Boris Johnson doesn't remember parties he was at. Yeah. <laughs> he, in fact, hosted... Quiz, he can't remember yeah. a hit quiz he hosted a few months he ago. He can remember that he went to... The, he likes Peppa Pig. I mean, that's about it. I think that's he meant to point, say though. chauvinist pig was mm. the word he was looking for. Oh, God. I mean, it's so... The bar is so low. The bar is in hell. The bar I, is so low, but the bar is so high... For black women in politics, the bar is wildly high. But I think that if you go into that sort of environment, the reason that I wouldn't do it is that you have to give so much of yourself doing this labour, just because like a lot of them don't have the range. Like You see young women in parliament trying to talk about things and they just don't understand. So you have to do so much work to just get the conversation on the table in terms everyone can understand. And then you have people like Pretty, who I think, yes, she is one of those women who is sort of serving this like ultra right-wing conservative... Um, outlook but she thinks that she can go even further than any man so she's just like really jumping the shark with how racist and terrible she's willing to be so that she's sort of like I think she's I think she scares the men around her I just heard that she is looking to be PM did you all hear this it came out today it came out today I don't know if she I couldn't bear to click on it so I don't know if she has announced it or it's just a, a rumor but if she becomes prime minister I just, that sentence didn't even make yeah. sense to me. You said Pretty is looking to BPM and I was like, heart rate, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah. Oh. She wants it. She wants the top job. That's what they say. I don't know. Uh, but it, it sounds like yes. And I never in my life thought I'd be going, please Rishi Sunak, please Rishi Sunak. But, <laughs> but I'm so frightened of it. I'm so frightened. The bills that she's pushing through are so terrifying. And so I feel like we do need to sort of take power back and I don't know really how to do it except to take to the streets but she's bringing in a bill that means we could be criminalised for doing that. Yeah. And then how much power I'm, am I going to have if I'm behind bars and not allowed to travel and they're talking about taking your passport away if you're caught with class A drugs. The fucking hypocrisy of that. Yeah. Like there's not class A's going... They're all at it. I'm not saying Pretty Patel is but I reckon all the rest. I think... She I, doesn't need extra it's confidence. Sort of, it's sexual Stockholm syndrome, isn't it? She's making it in a man's world because she's being just like them. So, but there's a difference between a woman who says, if I give them everything they want, I will be the one from my identity group who is given all these privileges and I leave all of you behind. And someone who says, I will, I'm only prepared to 
fight for my advancement on the basis that people like me also advance. And one of those is individualism and one of those is feminism. And so when people talk about, oh, feminism's choice, any choice a woman makes is feminism. If any choice any woman has ever made in the history of the world is feminism, it isn't a move. What is it? It's just, it's just individuals doing what they were going to do anyway. I don't understand how that can be feminism. It can't be. Then it's not an ism. It's just a, a fact of life. Oh, well, she walked across the road. She bought a dog. She, sorry, she stopped. Dogs she, is very feminist. She, she took the vote away from half the women in the country. She started deporting people and stealing passports. That can't all be feminism, can it? Can it? Can it? And remember Margaret Thatcher no. said that women, a woman's place was in the home. And I'm, and I'm going, well, I'm sorry, where are the, you? Yeah, <laughs> you know, then, yeah. Get back to the kitchen. To kitchen um, cabinet, yeah. So we need questions from the audience. Does anybody have a question? Ideally, one that's going to have a positive answer, but it doesn't have to be that. Yes. I have to repeat what you say, by the way, just because you can't be mic'd. So for the listeners at home, the first question was, what's your name? Samira. The first question was from Samira. Samira has asked uh, two questions, the first of which is, Sophie, could you tell us more about the sex party? Can, can I ask something about the sex party? Yes. What's the etiquette? Do you have to write a, a note saying, thank you for coming? <laughs> or thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thank you yeah. for having thank me. You thank you for being for had. <laughs> thank you for coming again and again. Um, <laughs> sorry, this is the question of the etiquette. Um, so the most... The, I'm just gonna, I feel like I'm doing a humble brag here, which I don't like, but since I am a legend. Um, <laughs> the, most, the most recent sex party I went to was just for women and non-binary people. I don't think I should name it on the podcast, but you can DM me. I feel like, it, I feel like if I name it on the podcast, then I will end up having to fuck all of you, which <laughs> would be very The night is yet young. But I think there are, there is a, there's like a bunch of sex parties in London and they all have like slightly different... Do you have to pay to go to them? Like, is it a yes. is it a contrib- there are running costs? How do they? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not complaining. I just want to know the deal. Um, uh, do you have to get vetted? Do you put your name down? Do they get yes, back so to they, you? So, so you have to provide. I think. I think it's either social media or actual ID for this the, this party. So you have to like prove you, right. you are who you say you are. There's obviously at the moment there's like COVID COVID safety mm-hmm. uh, that goes on and as then well. When you get in the door. Who starts? Because I don't feel I could start. I feel I could join in, but I don't know if I could just start. I could, hi. So I, I, so the problem in these situations, Sophie, is I always get really Louis Theroux about it. And I always start going, oh, oh, I'm a, like a spectator. And I don't know what to do with my face. No, and I, I've, I've been to, we used to call them orgies in the, oh, in the yeah. old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have been to a few, but the, the anxiety, because I'm always worried someone's going to wear home my designer coat. I can't oh. relax. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also then I'm so worried that someone else is having more fun than I am too. Like, you know, on the oohometer. I'm like, ooh, she's having a lot of oohs. What's happening over there? And it's, it's very stressful. <laughs> Guide us, Obi-Wan. I think that if it's like a big sex party, I don't particularly enjoy this kind of party, but if it's like a rave, then there's so much going on. You're just looking at people's outfits most of the time or <laughs> the outfits coming off and you're looking at outfits on the floor. So, like, if it's, like, a thing where it's a big party where there's, like, say, hundreds of people there, 
<laughs> you just, it's the intake of breath. Yeah. Hundreds of people. I have yeah, to have sex in hun- front of hundreds of I people. Think, I think there are sex parties where it's also like kind of like a rave. There's like right. te- techno music. And then there are playrooms, mm. um, which are not uh, uh, for children. And, <laughs> and then you can play in the playroom. So right. there's kind of a distraction. You can get a drink. Uh, okay. I think so you can orgy, either dance or you can go off to one of the little side rooms. And get railed. Thank you. Um, and the women and non-binary ones, are they also a rave or they're just sort of like no, more of a think, dinner party scene? I think that... I think there's so like, I like that more. I think that what I've liked about those are that they're much more intentional spaces. So there's like a little welcome chat, sort of telling you what, like where everything is. I would like that. Yeah. So I get the welcome High chat. High quality equipment. Equipment? Was, equipment, yeah. What kind of equipment? <laughs> Like swings or yeah, vibrators was, yeah, or... Yeah, yeah, there's, there's like... There's, I there's, if there's, I wanted to br- use a vibrator to bring my own, I don't think I'd share that. Yeah, you can, br- you can, you can bring your own. See, this is what happens to me. I become very Louis Theroux and I go, oh, no, 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 I've got my own. <laughs> I think we need to have a guilty feminist excursion. Do you not feel that coming on? I, I, I do. Yeah. I think In a guilty... A way fe- yeah, I mean, well, okay. Um, I don't know what the ethics and logistics are on that. I feel that would come back on me quite hard. <laughs> To use an inappropriate expression. Yeah, I was just like, um, it's amazing that you use those particular words. Yeah. I mean, listen, if people want guilty feminist sex parties, it's not for me to stand in the way of them. But Sophie might be mistress of events. I think, I, I think what's quite nice about it is that it's exploring, like, I think old school orgies do sound quite scary to me because if there's, no, there's nothing there except for like some cocktail sausages <laughs> and like some bad music and everyone puts their keys in the middle and that puts kind their of thing in the middle yeah. then you're just like i have to do something but mm. i think a lot of so like torture garden is a really big party which is also kind of like an entry level into like king um and it's sort of just like disneyland and you can wander around and like observe things and you don't have to you don't have to participate if you don't feel comfortable consent is always really prioritized no one's taking pictures so you can feel sort of safe and like dip a toe if you're so, into that or a finger. Some other part of your anatomy. So, yeah, so yeah. when you say it's like Disneyland, what would be the teacups ride? Because that, that would be that. Oh, I would need to start on that. Oh, I'm not going straight for Star Tours, just to be clear. Oh, what would be like a sort of entry? You could just get a foot rub. The last sex I went to, you could just, there were just, um, there were three male slaves there and you could just get a lovely foot rub. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. Cool. Kathy and I might stay at that end of the party yeah, yeah, no, just for the first time. I did worry about it because I started off there and then was having an amazing foot massage and then I was like, oh, sorry, I am at a sex party. I must. I must. I must mingle. Else. I must mingle. And the only trouble is my foot is usually in my mouth. So hey. <laughs> problematic. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm interested in, I don't know if I, yeah, be, uh, yeah. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'd be open to coming if I didn't ha- have to. <laughs> If I didn't have to like participate, if I felt if yeah, if, if I think if the Louis Theroux came over me, if I could just go, oh, because sometimes the idea of these things sometimes sounds so erotic and exciting, but then I get there and I'm like, oh, yeah, charming. I think <laughs> I think that what I find being like because I'm queer, surprise, um, but being in uh, like queer spaces and kink spaces specifically, even though that might not be something you're into, maybe you just want to have lots of vanilla sex, but being in queer. Uh, spaces is that people are quite good at like it's quite chatty it's like it was very wholesome I mean it, like the, we, we like a chat Deborah and I word, yeah. word plays foreplay for us yes it? that's yeah. very yeah. true actually wholesome yes it was a sim- wholesome sex party was, yeah. I, I, I think that's my brand yeah 
I want that. People are taking care of each other, showing you how to use the equipment. Again, with the equipment, you are not clear on what the equipment is. I don't normally uh, have equipment. There was a sort of like, um, you know, those like net bags that um, like alcohol comes and stops yeah. smashing. There was sort of like one of those made with leather straps. Yeah. Hanging from the ceiling. And hanging from the ceiling? Yeah. So what, you put yourself in it? Yeah, you get sort of get in it like a sexy moth. It's like a little Christmas. In front of everyone, and then you go up. And then what happens? Does somebody have sex with you while you're in a, a um, wine basket? <laughs> so I, I went inside the leather, leather yeah. sexy moth thing, which just by itself just feels really good. Like, are you, are you familiar with Shibari, where they like tie you up with oh, ropes yeah. and stuff? So I think that's like a more low-key when you're just being constricted. It's like mm. a big hug. But is um, someone in there with you, or is it just you? It's just you. I don't think two people would fit. But then you can get flogged. Good to know. Good to know. You know, you could do whatever, no, like, that, whatever sort of sensory thing you want. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't that doesn't not appeal. <laughs> no. Is it, this answering your question? Yeah, yeah. I feel like is we shouldn't that, spend too much time on yeah. on the sex it, parties. I suspect this is the only question everyone had. It's sort of like every, <laughs> the full room put their hand up like this, uh, and just like the, the 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 single question from every single person was more about the sex party, please. Um, what was your question? Oh, you are sorry. Yes, Mary, you had two questions. I'm going to try and summarise that for the people at home. Um, so Mira was saying she doesn't want to just take the power and wield it. I know, I know. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to with COVID. I, 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 don't know, I don't know what the allowable thing is with COVID. I thought, I thought we were told we couldn't. But okay, so I'm just going to try and I, I would love you to have the mic. Um, oh God, maybe I can. Am I allowed to? I don't know. Oh, no. Am I allowed to? Can hold it? Okay, I'm going to stand here, okay, and I'm going to then point it in your direction. We'll see how it goes. Okay, pretend you didn't say that before and applaud in the same way. I'm a feminist, but I have stage fright. I am a feminist, but um, I struggle with the fact of not wanting this power. I don't want this power, this power that is oppressive, this power that gets stronger every time you put someone down, this power that is defined by men. I don't want to shift the power. I want to change the narrative. I want things like integrity to feel like they are something that we should be vouching for and it doesn't make you weak. How much are we doing to change the narrative? I don't know if this comes under wanting power I shouldn't have, but now I've started this roving mic situation, I feel like Oprah. And, <laughs> and I never want the show to be anything else but me roving with a mic and people applauding the audience. Because it's, oh, it's such a power trip. Sophie, did you have a response to that? I mean, it's a big question, but I think that led by 
people who are not men, things are changing in the way that we take power and attain power. So just in comedy, I did a competition a few years ago where basically they only ever took one woman into this, like, like only one woman ever got in, if that. It was usually all men that got like the sort of prize. Um, and I went to the auditions for this comedy competition and there were like a bunch of women there and I was like, oh shit, because I really wanted it. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, there are so many women here. And another comedian, an amazing comedian called Bishop K.R. Lee was like, no, it's great. It's great that there are so many of us. And I was like, ashamed. Um, but I was like, it is great that there are so many of us. And I think as you kind of get further in your career, whether that is comedy, whether that is banking, the trend that I see in women of my age is that we help each other, that we, we share knowledge, we tell people like what the pitfalls are, not because we're not like scared of being tripped up by them, because we're building like a, like a more equitable, a more like cohesive, and the men, in order to keep up, have to share their knowledge. They have to take on people that they're mentoring. They have to give out, because otherwise it makes the whole thing stronger. And I think that is also, I think we need to clarify, that's a certain sort of man. There are plenty of men who are, some are trans, some are gay, some are straight and just not of that ilk of wanting to drive a tank through everything. It's more of an energy thing. And I think when the energy is led by women and non-binary people, there are loads of men who love it, who go, there are loads of cishet men who go, oh, thank God, because I didn't feel good here either. But I didn't want to say that because it's hard for men to say it, to say I don't like the way it is because they've got an opportunity to be clubbable. So they're like, oh, I guess I better say I fit in here. And even though inside they're crying. You know how they have guest edits of magazines, like the, or, or Woman's Hour, or whatever they'll say. Oh, get the guest editor. Wouldn't it be great if we could have a guest edit of the Globe, where women could just take over just for six months, a year, mm. just to see how different it would be? You know, just mm. it can't be any worse than what the blokes have done. So we need a guest Do you mean edit the Globe of the Theatre. Globe. <laughs> <laughs> I suddenly. Re- <laughs> What a nice segue. I'm not saying it doesn't... It just feels a bit rude to our hosts. Um, Because it's got to be better than what the blokes have done. Uh, You mean the the Earth, the planet. Okay. Just to be very clear, I was thinking, oh, this is a a departure. Uh, um, We've got to finish it, but was there someone else over here with a question? Yes? Sorry, I want to be Oprah. Uh, <laughs> ooh, 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 honey, one you are one um, This is why you want to come live because that moment's never going to play on the podcast. Grundy, shout if you can't hear what you hear next. Hopefully, in a nice way. Uh, so, the line from before was disarm with charm, yeah. and it really stuck with me with attention because. I think that you've talked about anger, you've talked about influence, and the disarm with charm just sticks with me in an uncomfortable way. And I thank you. There's, there's more of you. Yeah. And in order to really influence, to get in there, I'm trying to influence change. We're trying to get into policy. But to be able to have your wit, Sophie, and be able to knock that door every time is just exhausting. And so I think that there's got to be another way, and I'm just really curious as to what you think, because it's clearly been effective. You're amazing influencers in the sector, but what can we do 
if we don't necessarily have that every time to be with Rishi and topping him or if we don't have it with Boris and the other ways. I'm really curious. And just to be clear, I think that we were discussing that as a tool in the box. It's a tool. Women can't just charm and disarm for the rest of their lives because we're not going to get anywhere, but it's one tool. And so if all the only tool you're using currently is fury and fuck off, you're wrong, charm and disarm. If you're a charmer and disarmer, maybe you need to get a bit angrier. And there's a bunch of other stuff which Kathy will tell you about. <laughs> well, I just think we, you can't underestimate how verbally dexterous you are. I mean, really, women can run verbal circles around blokes and that is a real skill that we have. And humour is also a skill that we have. Biologists say that, you know, we know that laughter is very good for us, but anthropologists say that women laugh more often than men in all cultures on the planet. And, of course, when you laugh at something, you take the sting out of it. It's like strapping a giant shock absorber to your brain. Like when you go on a girls' night out, when you're with your girlfriends, I mean, you know, you laugh so much you have to kind of be hospitalised from hilarity. (laughs) And that is our coping mechanism, but it's also incredibly effective to use that in your everyday life. You can kind of undermine a male bully in that way by making him the butt of the joke and just using that incredible, that what I call earlier the black belt and tongue foo, give some quiplash. And that's what I meant by disarm with charm mm-hmm. is just using comedy as a tool in that but way. But I, th- I think you were saying, what if that is not your natural way? I think we are three women who were born with that as a sort of, or we somehow in our childhoods started to find that an easy mechanism for us. But that doesn't come easily to everyone in the way that sport doesn't come easily to me. (laughs) So we've all got skills and talents. I would suggest what are the tools in your box? What can you develop? What can you steal? Where can you pull in someone who's an ally who has got that skill? And whatever it is, like, I think we just need to look at what the full toolbox is that the patriarch is using. And we need one of each of those and then a bunch of other weapons as well. Um, from that question great I love that I sit probably a bit more with the panel being able to annihilate somebody with words is saying I find it easy and making somebody the butt of the joke but something I got taught really early in my career was silence human beings hate it we really do even somebody who's quite socially awkward will want to feel silent so if you've got a man in the room who's just kind of Every time you try and say something, it's just cutting over you or or just doing something that kind of is trying to pull that power away. Just give him silence because eventually that person will kind of talk themselves into a circle that they can't get out of, but they'll keep trying. And at that point, you can just cut them off at the knees and go, "Okay, I'm really sorry, but you seem to have lost yourself a bit there or something. (laughs) And that's how you kind of get them, because sometimes the greatest tool we have is let the other person fuck up. Thank you. The British public seem to have been using that tool very effectively with the (laughs) Conservative government at the moment, don't they? We just keep letting them fuck up. Um, uh, Sophie, are you wanting to come in there? Oh, no, no. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm giving it silence. Well done. See, immediately used. I think we have to finish soon, but like, just quickly, yes. What's your name? Sanjana. First of all, um, I think all three of you are brilliant, very articulate and inspiring, so thank you. Um, I think all women, even now, they have 
a pressure to look a certain way and um, particularly a fear of aging. And you kind of um, touched upon that. But I just wondered how do the three of you kind of overcome that fear and get past having to look a certain way and like, you know, <laughs> what? What did I say? No, no, I'll just answer. Oh, oh. sorry. Um, are you saying <laughs> you clearly don't mind looking old <laughs> and stereotypically not attractive? I... Your long, the long life. Of your life. How, how have you dealt with that? And just as a woman, <laughs> yeah. I just mean, yeah. I just mean. Okay. Thank you. In a, in a very real yeah. way, if you think I'm past it in any single way, and I don't mean look. Oh, she's past it. I mean, if you think I'm past the idea of wanting to look a certain way, and not wanting anybody okay I'm a feminist but somebody said oh should I make you a birthday story on Instagram and I said if you start fucking spreading the rumor that I have birthdays <laughs> I don't want people thinking I have birthdays because that implies I'm aging no no you don't need if to you skip, like if you had to advise on how women could deal with that fear how would you advise them to deal with it okay I need someone else to answer this I'll answer <laughs> I, I do. I think that's a great question, and I think women suffer from facial prejudice that we get judged on our looks in a way that men don't, um, and shapeism. And I've lived in LA, which is the worst place for women about aging. You know, there's no law of gravity in LA. Skin sags upwards, and basically all they do in cosmetic surgery is drag everything up so the ankle becomes the knee, the knee becomes the navel, the clitoris becomes the chin, and. <laughs> That that's, would be convenient yeah, at parties, though, wouldn't that? A recipient of cosmetic surgery is look for a woman who's rubbing that part of anatomy wow. a little bit too vigorously. But for women my age, it's really hard because they're trying desperately to stay young. And even anti-aging cream, anti-aging. I mean, even the, that term is so offensive. There's nothing wrong with aging. So you know, yeah. I, I and. So many women I know are getting having cosmetic surgery. And I'm like, I always say to them, my mother told me never to pick my nose, especially from a catalogue, ha, ha, ha. But I do think you have to try and resist that. Because, you know, the thing is they're doing this to try and get a man, they tell me. But why would you want a man who only wants you because you're silicon from tits to toenail? You wouldn't want a man like that. So it doesn't make any sense. So I try to say, you know, read between my lines. It's all there, the books, the babies, the hours of fun-loving fellatio, you know. Why would I want to have a complete personalityectomy? So I don't do that. But I wish more, more women would come with me on that journey. I mean, you're very young, Sophie. As a young woman. <laughs> um, no, I am reaching the end of my millennial railcard tenure. And I, <laughs> I think it's interesting as you get a bit older how if you're someone that maybe has been uh, precocious or sort of like celebrated for being like the baby or even just the excitement that people have around you, even if you're not uh, pushing forward or anything, being like, oh, you're so young, like, oh, you could do this, you could do this, and like watching as that slowly slips away, being like, oh, I'm, I'm not Hermione Granger, I'm not uh, the brightest witch of her age, my age is um, different. I think I have never, I feel more powerful, and it was, uh, it was a man that said this to me, I feel 
more powerful with every passing year. I think about the things that I had to do when I started working in television. I think of the way that people spoke to me, the way that people approached me. And every year that I get older, I am more capable. People fuck with me less. I know more who I am. And by sort of decentering that male gaze, that male expectation, I just see like the benefit of getting rich, like getting richer in my life, getting more wisdom. Just that like, I don't really think that people under 27 years old are real people. Please address, please address your emails slash <laughs> slash TikToks to at Sophie I just, Jukebox. I think I f- I feel so much better now. Be like just having just having had more time, just getting settled into it, and I think that it's nice to have like a body yadi yadi yadi. But if you've not got that like brain that sort of knows itself, that is happy, that can like use it, it's just sort of yeah, you're just sort of getting experience points until you can properly enjoy life. And so, the, other, the other thing I was going to say about ageing, we have to agitate to get more women of a certain age on television because, because 85% of people on British television over 50 are men. So women just get I'm put out to career past 85. Right. I would think it's 97 yeah. because yeah. I don't see any women over – it's Sue Barker at Wimbledon, the end. <laughs> you know, it's over 50. I don't know, maybe – I don't know, who are we thinking? Think well, how old's Lorraine Kelly? Actors, actors sometimes, but they're allowed to act roles of that age. But I mean, like presenters and newsreaders and stuff, very rare. We get given a kind of cloak of invisibility, but the thing is, are we going to use that cloak for good or for evil? Mm. I don't know. But it's true. I think the more it's in the ether, the more it normalises it. And I mean, on, on the upside, in terms of faces that are over 50 and have aged naturally and gracefully, we now have the Sex and the City reboot. Charlotte's lips I mean oh my god I mean we should cut this out because I think they get very upset I heard Sarah Jessica Parker saying I just feel like everyone's saying either I have too many wrinkles or not enough wrinkles and like like I can't get it right so I do understand especially if you've been pickled in aspic you know like no seriously because the friends for example they we only know them as young and they are iconic and forever and they are wallpaper. And if your 25-year-old self was played in every manicure bar you went into and, you know, on the bar and the... Co- it would be very difficult to age. I do see that it's a problem and I understand the psychology. So I don't want to have a go at those individuals and I just don't want to be saying, you know, um, to that woman, specific woman. So, uh, but, but I do think as a culture, what's forcing those women to do that? It's not like... Courtney Cox got out of bed and went, I need to look 23 forever. Mm-hmm. Somebody has told her that. Yeah, I think it's basically, it's a con. I think that like plastic surgery, like it should be fun. You shouldn't feel fear that you've got to keep up, like make your face, like every time it slips, you've got to like top it up again. You should do cool things with your face, make yourself look like a sexy warthog. Like <laughs> exper- <laughs> experiment, but it's so much driven by this fear that you will slip and that it will, it's a sort of deteriorating like you're grasping at sand. I think we should be able to experiment with our power, with our appearance, however we want, but it shouldn't be driven by something outside of us that we can never hope to actually attain. Well, I heard Sarah Silverman talking about, sorry, I'll take in your applause. Go on. Um, I heard Sarah Silverman talking about this and um, she said that her face, she said, all my life I've had a horse face and I liked that. That was my look. You know, that's who I was. And she said, now I'm starting to feel like I'm a chipmunk because the fat underneath the skin slips 
And she said, it just doesn't look like my face anymore. And it's, you know, and she's saying she doesn't want to get cosmetic surgery. It was on her podcast when she gets, you know, she had got this question from a listener. But I know that feeling of my face is slightly changed in shape, but I think no one tells you that will happen as your life goes on. And look, I basically look like I did. I'm not saying, oh, I got, you know, I'm unrecognizable. But when you're used to your face and it changes, what I'm trying to say is I understand where the impetus is coming from. And I think individuals are not the problem. And I understand where the impetus is coming from. I just think as a whole society, and I think maybe your point, Kathy, is the one, it's like representation. If we saw more women who were celebrated and older, we wouldn't fear not looking like a 24-year-old in a L'Oreal ad on yeah. a bus stop. But I think, I, I think ageing to women is like kryptonite to Superman. You know, Show me a woman who's happy with her age and I'll show you the electroconvulsive therapy scorch marks You know, because we're trained to think that youth is what, is what we have to keep aspiring to. So, yeah, we just need more representation. And also those, most of those surgeons, are those cowboy cl- clinicians, you know, they couldn't put a dressing on a salad. I mean, <laughs> they, most of them trained under Dr. Zeus. I mean, don't go there in my view. Uh, yeah, I think, I think our power, it's definitely not what we should be worried about when we have 10 years to solve climate change. Yeah. That's what I think. And... It shouldn't be, I'm not saying it should be nowhere on your priority list. I understand we've all been raised in a patriarchy. However, I don't think it's as important as the borders bill, the policing bill, the NHS bill. Those things have got to take priority over. What I saw when someone took a picture of me on the side, it's like, that looks like a a new line. Um, (laughs) Now, obviously, I have given it some thought, but when that happens, I try, I try and go, but the policing bill. Can we get back to that? Because no one else gives a fuck about that line on the side of my... I really don't think they do. I don't think they do. Also, dimmer switch, greatest beauty aid known to womankind. And candles, you know. Well, and that brings us to our candles, sadly, burning down. They're not all the way out yet, uh, but I believe we should be. Sophie Duker, do you have anything to plug? No, just sex parties all across London. Um, okay. I, just come and see my sh- come and see my sh- come come and see my show. I'd, yeah. Are you doing anything on the telly, or can um, you follow me on social media? Oh, you can follow me on social media. Um, I am at Sophie Dukebox. Um, you can see me on Task. I don't know when this comes out. Oh yes, you're going to be on Taskmaster. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah, you're to master Task. Have you filmed it yet? We filmed it. Oh, you've done it. We've done it. It's done. You've mastered. I mastered the task. Did you win? <laughs> I thought she said she mastered the tasks. I thought no. we'd gone back to the warthog. Was turning yourself into a warthog one of the taskmaster things? That's not, what was on your mind. Of, it was okay. not on the task. Right. But I'd like nice tweets about that. So if you watch Taskmaster, do some oh, nice yes. tweets. Oh, yes. Do some nice tweets. That would yeah. be lovely. Yeah. Kathy, do you have anything to plug? Oh, listen, I've just please read my novels. Slip between my covers. Satisfaction guaranteed, even for you. Um, if we and, wanted um, to buy this book, uh, this latest book, which is called HRT Husband, Husband Replacement Therapy, Therapy. Yeah. we could buy this in Australia. It was number Can- one in Australia, but I haven't got a publisher here for that yet because they're not interested. Publishers here are not interested in literature from older women. I kid you not. So it was number one in Australia. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But publishers here. So if you are a publisher and you're listening to this. Yeah. 
Could you please get in touch yeah. with Cathy Nett? And I want to invent a new genre for women my age where we're not just sort of, you know, most most women my age in novels, they end up, you know, being so sad and depressed in their flat, they die and they get eaten by their cats or something. <laughs> and I want to write women who are, you know, just sassy and fun and going out and just swinging off a chandelier with a toy boy between their teeth. And I, and I want to get it, I want to invent a new name for uh, that genre, I'm going to call it I Don't Give a Shit Lit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, so you can buy Kathy Lett's books on, uh, on, uh, online. Um, you can get them in your local bookstores. There's lots, even if that one's not printed here yet, there's lots. You can get them on audiobook. You can get them on Kindle. Uh, but you will really, really enjoy them. Um, so go back in time, go forward in time. There's lots and lots to cover there. Also, can I... No, you absolutely must. Um, can I also say... Um, that some people missed out on my stand-up show, and I will be doing it again next year, but some people wanted to come. But I'm doing one more before the before Christmas at the Etc. Theatre in Camden. Um, it's on the 20th of December. Um, there's only 50 seats in there, so grab one quick if you would like it. The themes are coming out and going in, and it's about me coming out as a bisexual and exploring that, and also going in is really about a, mu- a psychedelic mushroom trip that I had that was under supervision. And somebody just sent me a picture of a tattoo they got based on an image in the show. So I feel like it went well. And if you would like to come and then get a tattoo, then I don't want to stop you. Um, it's called The Guilty Firm Stands Up. I'm getting text saying, please get off the stage. Um, <laughs> so I am going to go. So before I do that, can I just have a big round of applause to everyone here at the Sam Wanamaker? <laughs> Sorry, run over. Um, to uh, Grundy Lizimbra, who's done a really great job here in a place which is not used to having tech and who came and saved the day during Sophie's stand-up. So big round of applause for Grundy. Grundy. Um, thank you to all of you for coming out. I know it's a tricky old time and I really just appreciate it and I just love being here with you. Thank you to everyone who came. Um, that's you. You can clap for yourselves. A huge round of applause by co-pilot Sophie Juca. Special guest, the icon that is Kathy Lett. You have been listening to the Guilty Feminists with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Sophie Jupiter, and our very special guest, Kathy Lett. The recording engineer was Brundy Lazimbra. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Slinsky for the Spontaneous Shop. Thanks to Rachel Craftsman, Chief DCO, Jess, and Sarah at the Globe, and everyone who helped make this episode happen. As well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminists.com. Thank you so much. I've been Deborah Francis White. We've been the Guilty Feminists. Good night. Okay, for sex and political? Pretend you've never heard it before. (laughs) The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 
Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com